This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, honest question. Do you think it's okay to high-five kids? I know. I know. I know. 651-641-1071. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. This is the Colleen and Bradley Show. My talk one zero seven one. I'm Colleen Lindstrom. That's Bradley Trainer. Okay. Tell why, me more. Why on earth? Why on earth would I ask you the question? Is it okay to high five children? Yeah. Well, what does this even mean? Because this, I saw this getting passed around on Twitter. It's an article. It's a. It's an editorial from the Omaha World Herald. Um, from Monday, just this past Monday, written by, uh, it's, it's in the section living with children written by John Rosemond, who I did a little, uh, I did a little digging on. He apparently is actually a psychologist Okay, and he encourages everybody to think like he does that you should not high five children. What? Now, you know what? Without looking I don't know if you're looking. I'm looking at the article, okay. but what do you want? Try to not do? to look at it. And just tell me, like, what what, what reason we, do you think would be important to not high-five kids? Germs. That seems know. like I, that seems appropriate, right? <laughs> That's why I would avoid it. Or like, I might. Kids, they got germs. <laughs> I might think they're short and I don't want to miss and hit them in the face, right? Yeah. Like there's a couple. Anyway, Mike, do you have any idea why it would be a bad well, yeah, idea? I was going to go the short route, right? figuring that it would just, you know, make them uncomfortable. They can't reach you. You know, right. you're high-fiving. By definition, you have to go high. High to, to five, five right? Yeah. Uh, 651-641-1071. Your feelings on high-fiving children. Because uh, John Rosemond, who again is a psychologist, he opines that when you high five children, you mess with the power dynamic and they need to know who's in control. And so he takes a hard line on the high five. Okay. Uh, He's had kids himself and he had to let them down. Not even easily. He just, they would go up for the high five. Apparently it is. Now I had so many, this flames 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 i just thought this is so ridiculous he he is actually a family psychologist okay uh he signs he signs this editorial sincerely the grinch so there's an awareness there okay right that he's gonna be the person to lift his leg on high-fiving kids um and he writes a solid eight to ten paragraphs on why High-fiving children messes with the power dynamic. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you think that it's high-fiving kids that's messing with the power dynamic of children? Do you think that's the problem? No, I, I, I didn't realize of all the problems kids face these days that high-fives from adults was the issue. Like, there are about 30 other million things you could probably... Yeah. 
write this column on issues kids are having (laughs) right right i just thought this is I, I what does can't. he actually say? Like, read me something that he actually okay, says. Okay, so he says, the high five is a gesture of familiarity to be exchanged between equals. I have traded the palm slap with adult friends. I can be and am as cool as the next. You're not, dude. I'm sorry. I just, I'm going to call it here. You're not. That was my editorial you comment. you cool. You're not, not cool. Yeah. Uh, he said, I will not slap the upraised palm of a person who is not my peer. And a peer is someone over the age of 21. So he's got a rule. Okay. If So does he card them so before he just, goes in like, for That the just kill? seems like meaner to the kid. Like you're just like, right? the kid goes to high five you and you're like, no child, I shan't be doing that. And here's why. Read my column in the Omaha World Herald. Well, and listen, he's changing lives, including the life of his very own son, uh, he said that, that he relates this uh, conversation. Dad, my son once said, uh, his then five-year-old doesn't understand why you won't high-five him. So he's this is his grandson. Okay. And, and then John Rosemond, who again is a family psychologist, says, I don't expect him to understand, and I'm not going to explain myself to him. And then his son, his adult son said, well, I don't understand either. Well, I'm not going to explain myself to you either. What is happening? He just seems like he got out of bed on the wrong side. And somebody piddled in his Cheerios. Yeah. And he's not going to high five anybody. Children should know their place. Adults should know their place. The more adults and children commingle as if they're equals, the more problematic. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I love that it's high fives. Like, where in the world did he think, like, of all of the, you know, illustrations of this opinion, which. Is like a very get off my lawn, Andy Rooney opinion. Mm-hmm. Fine, you're entitled to feel that way. Like, I just think there's too much permissiveness in, uh, you know, parental uh, parenting these days. Parental like, parenting. Well, I, I <laughs> meant to say parenting yeah. <laughs> these days, which you can totally understand is a legit thing. But like the high five. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. Like maybe don't do drugs with your kids. No, but don't high five them first. You know, or don't you know um, buy them alcohol and tell yeah. them that as long as it's happening under your roof. Yeah, like it's okay. I mean, there's so many things that you could actually illustrate this with without mm-hmm. without sounding like a complete, uh, you know, ding-a-ling. ancient. Yeah, yeah. So we got dinosaur. I do like this. We got this from Steve. Steve said his next article will be eight to ten paragraphs on how opening your mouth can cost you your job. <laughs> Uh, Let's go to the phone because I asked the question, do you have a beef with high-fiving kids? That didn't come out right. Don't worry about it. Here's an interesting email from Christine. She's like, I don't know about the high-five issue, but John Roseman saved my sanity as a parent. He taught me to have a discipline plan so I wasn't constantly reacting to my very willful son. The result was no yelling from me and children who understand the world does not revolve around them. By the way, the willful child is now a West Point graduate. Mm -hmm. Wow, so yeah. he's like a legit thing. Well, he's a legit thing. I will say he has a lot of controversial opinions, and so I'm I'm glad that uh, his his uh, direction helped for Christine. Yeah. Um. But but he does come under fire a lot for some of his. I still don't understand high five. I know. Let's go to the phones. We've got Jeff on the line. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Uh, what are your feelings on giving the kids a high five? Well, I got to tell you, this is why I value my relationship with my talk 107.1. I don't have kids, but I was part of the team, the village, 
that helped raise 11 nieces in my family, and I'm not going to be high-fiving uh, kids anymore. I'm older, but I also value that it matters to some people, and I don't want to upset the parents. Interesting. Do you think maybe you could ch- maybe like check with them and say, <laughs> how do you feel about yeah. me giving high like, fives? Let's talk about this. Well, this is from a guy who has cousins in Chicago and she didn't raise her kill- her children uh, to have guns. And I gave him water pistols for his birthday because I didn't know. Yeah. So, yeah, that happens. I- That's a real thing. Yep. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your call. Um, yeah, it's it's so again, Bradley, like you said, it's such an interesting place to draw the line. It just doesn't seem practical or like, you know, like I can understand it, but I'm not a parent. That doesn't matter. I still have opinions about um, parenting because mm-hmm. I live in a world with parents and children. And I just don't understand the illustration as a practical means to explain what you're actually trying to get across to parents. Because I feel like, again, parents are like, "Uh, I think the high five is the least of my issues with my boundaries with my kids. You know, correct. Like, I would like to set appropriate boundaries in in practical ways, not like I ain't giving you a high five. Right. And like, if you're so focused on the high five. I also don't understand what's the import of a high five. Is that like just a. Are you doing that a lot with your kids? I, I'm a big high fiver. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'm, I like a high five. It's an easy, quick way to say, at a girl, at a boy, like you did a great thing. High five. I'm proud of you. Like I use the high five as like a, like, you know, it's, it's maybe not quite I guess a hug. I don't understand how that, how does he explain that as a power imbalance? I don't know. I, 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 to me, his work, he doesn't show his work very well. Um, he basically just says it's you wouldn't high five your doctor. Not true. I think I probably have high fived a doctor before, you know, that like you don't high five people in power positions. I will not slap the upraised palm of a person who is not my peer. <laughs> so funny. And uh, a peer is someone over the age of 21 emancipated employed and paying their own way yeah then you're worthy of a high five okay let's go to jillian hi jillian jillian your thoughts on high-fiving children okay so i have several children and i am very much in favor of high-fiving to me high five like you were just saying colleen is just congratulations nice job that's fantastic um it's also good for kids who maybe you know don't like hugs or something mm-hmm. like it's a way to connect without yes. getting all personal yeah and my question for the psychiatrist is do you high five adults right. like how many right. do, do adults high five each other i guess i think of high fiving as a sort of a kid specific right thing that adults occasionally do Ironically, right? You know, well, I feel like John cards people before yeah, he, he high fives because you have to be twenty one and be, over. You got to be an adult. You got to have. You got to be paying your mortgage. And also, that's not creepy at all. Like, may I see your ID? I only high five those who are twenty one or over. Julian, thank you for your call. You know, he does. He does say he's cool. He's as cool as the next guy. No, and he does high five some of his friends. I don't accept that. Also, I wanted to add this. Um, and you can thank me for this. I don't know if you're into high fiving. Um, the worst thing is a bad high five. And so I have a key to always giving a good high five. Do you know this? Yeah, look at the elbow. That's all you got to do. Yeah. It's the greatest, trust me, use it today. 
it has helped when you're me, going and look at the other person's elbow you look at the other person's elbow and it's always a perfect high five yeah. and i just wanted to double down on what jillian said like there are sometimes my kids are not interested in a hug from me and that's cool i want them to be in control of their own bodies I don't need to horn in on that, but a high five is a great replacement. So I say go forward and high five as many children as you can. Don't do it creepily. Yeah, I just think just it's up it to you. Like, I just don't like the, his, the headline was here's why you shouldn't high five a child. Yeah. I would very much prefer if John and, and uh, you know his profession to maybe use I statements. Like here's why <laughs> I choose not to high five children. Right. right. Thank you. Uh, and we rest our case. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, you know, sometimes you uh, hear a story and you get a read on a story that happened in pop culture. And it's not for years that you get the rest of the story. And that is the case with Constance Wu. I want to go back and talk about uh, an instance that happened a few years ago and what we now know about why things played out the way they did. We'll talk about it after this on My Talk 1071. Hey, my talkers, Bradley here for Jennifer and the Snyder team with EXP Realty. I just heard from Jennifer the other day about how crazy the market seems right now. It can be a little uncomfortable. I don't know. Is now the time? Well, she reminded me of something that's totally helpful if you're looking to buy or sell a home. Here's the thing. In the current market, you, my talkers, have the opportunity to negotiate price and get a home inspection. And that can totally balance out the rise of interest rates, which I know is making a lot of people concerned and worried. It's that kind of advice, by the way, that's kept Jennifer and the whole Snyder team with eXp Realty in business for the last 25 years, serving the Twin Cities in Western Wisconsin with over 14 agents buying and selling homes throughout the metro. If you've got more questions, just pick up the phone and give Jennifer a call today. The SnyderTeam.com. And don't forget to tell her Bradley sent you. Well, you know, sometimes we tell a pop culture story, we react to a pop culture story, but it's not for many, many years that we actually learn what was going on behind the scenes that we didn't even know about. This is the Colleen and Bradley show. My talk one Oh seven one Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. Hey. Uh, and if I say the name Constance Wu to you, Bradley, do you remember an incident uh, that happened with a particular tweet just a few years ago? Uh, do you remember that at all? Oh, of course I do. Yeah. yeah. At the, at the time she came off, I don't remember exactly what the tweet was, but the impression was that she was not happy with the renewal of the series fresh off the, the boat. boat. Yep, exactly. And people were like, uh, wow, that seems really uh, rude to your cast, your cast and crew. Right. Because no doubt they were actually very excited for the renewal. So to your point, in tw- it was 2019. So just a couple, a few years ago, like three years ago. And uh, they had renewed Fresh Off the Boat. Constance Wu tweeted something in response along the lines of, and this is not verbatim, uh, but it was something like, oh bleep, uh, I don't want to do this. Or something along those lines. And people thought, wow, what a diva. Like, how rude. There are people who actually like love this job, have this job, etc. Well... Now we're learning in her memoir, which is uh, which has 
I think, she, I don't know if it's just been released or if she's releasing it. Anyway, her memoir is called Making a Scene, and it's a series of essays telling about really, I mean, many, many difficult times in her life, including but not limited to a time that she uh, was raped. Oh, wow. Separate from this story, but but it also sheds light on what happened at on Fresh Off the Boat and okay. why this was such a complex situation that we only had a tiny little piece of. Okay. And what she reveals in this uh, uh, essay is that she was, um, she was sexually assaulted and harassed on the, on the set of fresh off the boat by a person in a power position. Um, she calls this person, Mr. M. Um, she does not say who it is. And uh, this person Or maybe she just calls it him M. Um, But this person had a position of power in, you know, the directing in a directing role on Fresh Off the Boat. Um, And she tells a story about how he bullied her into changing her representation uh, and tried to control her through that. Then ended up taking her to an L.A. Lakers game and putting his hand on her leg and grazing her crotch area and uh, doing, you know, just sort of manipulating her in different ways. Um, And when she, you know, kind of tried to call him out on his behavior, um, he told her she had big arms, which is... So this is supposed to add context to the tweet. Well, and it does because when you, you know, you peel. So it's not just that part of the story. She also is talking about kind of like in the context of that time, what fresh off the boat meant as an Asian casted show on a major network. And that she took very seriously her uh, role in that but also knew about what was happening behind the scenes that was less than savory. And that also complicated the position she found herself in. So when she tweeted that, she was in the midst of all of the feelings around that and had a reaction. And I think that there's a piece of that that's relatable that, you know, uh, I think many people have been caught by off-the-cuff reactions in a moment when something is happening in their lives um and maybe it's regrettable and maybe she wasn't assessing in the moment exactly how that would be received yeah but in the reception of it she couldn't explain it because there was all this other stuff going on hands were tied uh verbally anyway right right but at least now she's had the chance to add some perspective and i imagine a lot of people will sort of revisit that and, and look at it through a different lens and i hope that they do because i do think it's and you know i think it's a it's something we can all learn from a little oh, bit sure. and it certainly is a relatable and uh yes. story and yes. well written when we come back on the colleen and bradley show we've got celebrities behaving badly thank you mike this is the colleen and bradley show on my talk 107.1 i'm colleen lindstrom that's bradley trainer and uh we have some celebrities behaving badly we call them d-bags Presenting Lord and Lady Douchebag of the Day. Who's your D-bag? <sighs> Chloe Kardashian. I'm so tired. Oh, we just talked about her. Yes. She was calling out Kanye. Now what's going on? Which I celebrate. Uh, but now I want to not celebrate this. This is just... I can't... Okay, so... Apparently, on Chloe Kardashian's Instagram... A photograph was posted 
and then quickly deleted and then reposted and then apparently was deleted again. I'm so confused. Okay. This picture is of her in what appears to be maybe, I don't know, a hotel room. And she's sort of like kneeling on a chair and she's wearing a black bodysuit. And it's super obviously photoshopped. Yeah. I mean, like her arm looks janky and deformed. Oh my God, she and looks super, super not human. It's not normal. And it's. But this is totally her. Beyond obvious. Meaning she does this all the time. All the time. So then she takes it down, deletes it. And then she posts it again, but this time without the Photoshop and with another one what? in addition to it. What? So, okay. So she puts up just that picture. She takes just that picture down and then puts up a series of pictures that has the Photoshopped version, the real version, and then another picture of just her. Okay. Great. And then takes all those down. Oh, okay. Then, okay. then, then... She posts the following. Uh, wait. Okay, wait. Hold on. I gotta. Get... I never even posted this photo. Maybe my glam did it, but I didn't. Also, I mean the bent lines in the back. LOL, please. So she's posts that she didn't post the photo, throws her glam squad under the bus as though they were the posters of it, and calls out how obviously photoshopped it was. Yeah. And then thinks that we're all going to just walk away like everything's fine. Yeah. Like, so I don't get like what, what is she, So she's denying that she says she didn't post those photos, she but says where she were they posted on her Instagram? So she did post them. Right. But she didn't cause she said she didn't, maybe it was her glam squad, but, but she's that's a, still your account and nobody's going to post something totally absurd without knowing that you would approve of them posting that to your Instagram mm-hmm. unless you wanted to get fired. Well, let me let me let me give you her second statement okay. that came after people Great. talked to her I'm about for it. Let's do throwing it. her glam squad under the bus. She says, "Wait, I'm not saying my glam did that either. I'm just saying oh, I didn't God. post this photo on oh, my page. God. Where's the then receipts? Where's the receipts that I did? LOL, people are so weird." <laughs> Yeah, you. physician, heal thyself, <laughs> ma'am. Isn't that wild? Because if not you or your glam squad, who posted it? It's your account. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and that this is this just goes to show that they think we're dumb. They think we're so stupid. Like she actually thinks that that's gonna work. That's like something well, a toddler does yeah. when they hide behind their hands and think you can't see them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and we've been here before. This is why I'm just like confused because I'm like, uh, hey, yeah, uh, we've actually been in this place with Khloe Kardashian before, wherein she, um, pretends that she looks a way she doesn't mm-hmm. look. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's repeatedly. Over and over again, oftentimes from the state of Florida, yeah. crazy, stupid, idiot behavior. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Chloe. She, I think she's trolling us. Yeah. Okay. Well, she just thinks we don't live, we don't all live on planet Earth. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't live on planet no. Earth. She forgets I, that we, in fact, do. Yeah. And in that photoshopped picture, she looks like she doesn't live on planet Earth. Post something and assume that that's, you know, oh, that's me. I what didn't do you do mean that? that's not me? Of course, I'm not saying they didn't. They didn't do it. But I know I didn't. Now, and if you're gonna say I did, you need to find the receipts that I did it. Yeah, like there's receipts to this. (laughs) No, it's your account. You need the receipts. Yeah. Oh 
Oh, Bradley, who's your D-bag? The Hope Ranch Homeowners Association. Okay, that's a weird, that's a deep track. Right? Well, you may not remember what the... uh, Is this a personal grievance or what? No, you may not remember uh, that we just talked about the Hope Ranch Homeowners Association. Well, we talked about Hope Ranch yesterday, and that's Hope Ranch, not Hope Branch. Oh, okay. Or Hope or Ho Branch. Yeah, no, it's not Ho Branch either. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the HOA. That's the uh, Homeowners Association over at Hope Ranch. Now, you might remember yesterday I mentioned Hope Ranch in the context of one Prince Harry and one Meghan Markle, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And that's because that is the area uh, about 10 miles away, 10 to 12 miles from Montecito, where they currently reside, that they are uh, also at this moment trying to find a new home within, meaning they want to live in Hope Ranch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, apparently TMZ has found out that the Hope Ranch Homeowners Association is not amused mm-hmm. that uh, Prince Harry and Meghan would like to move up the road to a more exclusive spot within their community. Uh, and for a number of reasons, because they're concerned that it's going to, you know, bring in a lot of traffic mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, influx of people and things. And I'm like, this is the height of ridiculousness, mm-hmm. wherein people who are super exclusive are now being ultra exclusive yeah. with already ridiculously exclusive people. Right. I mean, it, it's not like it's. One of us rolling up right. to Hope Ranch, like, hey, with, you know, a boom box <laughs> and a bag of Cheetos, right? Or right. like with a, like a, you know, a vehicle that's backfiring constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. literally Prince Harry. Ikea furniture. Like, how, how uh, snooty do you need to be? Right. To look down your nose at Prince Harry and Meghan, like, oh, we can't have those celebrities in our neighborhood if the celebrity was named oprah something tells me oh wait it is named oprah uh something tells me if it was oprah they would not be having this problem because although also oprah lives in i think in or near hope ranch yeah that was gonna be my question because i remember that there were a lot of celebrities that live there so it's not like they're not um, um like that they're not like open to having celebrities there it's that they're too good to have the prince there yeah it's what I'm Megan, getting from that. Know, the Hoi Yeah. Really? I just feel like you guys, um, that's just, but uh, but again, I guess with that territory comes the assumption that you have to look down your nose at everyone else who doesn't right. already live there. Like, oh, I don't know about these people. Mm. Okay, so I don't know how this works because, yeah. like, I just live in a neighborhood and, like, you know, we just keep our opinions in our living room like everybody else. Um did they like call a special meeting of the homeowners association? Well, you wonder, to- right? Because you wonder how TMZ found out about us. But what they say is one of the issues uh, worrying some Hope Ranch residents has to do with the traffic. Uh, traffic has always been an issue in Santa Barbara, where residents for decades have tried to protect their community from an influx of cars. The roads there are narrow and winding, with would-be paparazzi flocking to snap the royals. Some residents fear it could create peril, especially for children who are playing and walking to school. Not the children! Well, don't high-five them. Yeah, please don't high-five. Um, they go on to say, while there's certainly a lot of Richies living in Hope Ranch. Do we say that? Is that a word? Richies? 
Apparently in Hope Ranch it is. None of them are quite as high profile as Harry and Meghan, and we're told them coming in stressing out a good is stressing out a good number of villagers. Okay, also villagers. These are not villagers. These are the ultra rich who um, are just ultra rich and feel like. Yeah, well, TMZ does. Okay. Uh, entitles them to somehow, you know, pick and choose what other ultra-rich people are allowed to live among their class. Oh, my word. Yeah, nice try, to you guys. Have, Good luck to you. To have such problems. Yeah. We can't... The children are walking to school. We, can't, we don't need all these cars. We can't allow the prince and his come, wife. Come to my neighborhood and, um, you know... I don't even, don't even get me started. I hate this kind of like NIMBY behavior. Like mm-hmm. they're so uptight. They can't even allow other ultra rich celebrities who, by the way, are going to be like cloistered within their very right um, resourced. Mm-hmm. Protected. Estate. Yes. Estate. Exactly. Right. With their own security detail, yeah. et cetera. Right. Like, Yeah. It will. The safety will be <sighs> top notch. So annoying. It, yeah, it just is sort of. It's so out of touch yeah. that it's almost comical. Like meanwhile, but also like there are literally <laughs> people getting into accidents in my neighborhood because nobody observes stop signs mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I want you to be worried about Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. moving into your neighborhood. Yeah, that okay. does seem like right. top priority. Must be hard. I'm so sorry for <laughs> you guys. It's hard. You've worked real hard to isolate yourself from reality. How dare they? Keep up the good work. When we return on the Colleen and Bradley show, I did, uh, I completed an assignment. Oh, good. Yesterday I told you I would listen to uh, that Kim Kardashian Spotify podcast. Oh, yes. Of which there are two episodes available. Well, I listened to the first episode. And? Boy, do I have thoughts. Oh, good. I'm going to share them all with you after Fabulous. this. On my talk, 1071. Okay, so I did the assignment on the Colleen and Bradley show. My talk, 1071. Colleen Lindstrom, Bradley trainer. What's that? I listened to the Kim Kardashian podcast. Oh, exclusive yeah. Exclusive Spotify uh, podcast called The System with Kim Kardashian. That's right. You told us about it yesterday. It sounds uh sort of true uh true crime mm-hmm. genre podcast. This narrative nonfiction podcast seemed a lot different than when I first heard Kim Kardashian's doing a podcast. I thought, oh yeah. but then when you explained it, you know, it deals with a real issue. Somebody uh who found themselves behind bars who said that they were innocent, and this purports to tell the tale, and apparently Kim was instrumental in helping get the story told. Yeah, and that's what's, I mean, that to me is the interesting piece that made it palatable for me to enter in, right? I knew she was going to be narrating it. It didn't necessarily mean she would be the host of it. Yeah. So her voice would be part of the story, but not the whole story. Okay. That said, it's a journey. Okay, so first of all, as you mentioned, it's uh, it's called The Case of Kevin Keith. It's an eight-episode arc uh, telling us about a murder of a family of yep. people and how Kevin Keith found himself arrested for that and now serving time. His, uh, I, I believe there's, I mean, there's been some changes in the past few years um, but he's still in prison. And Kim Kardashian, this has been part of her passion project. This is the reason why she's allegedly in, you know, studying law is because she's passionate about some of these um, wrongfully accused people who are serving time. 
And she's had some, I mean, she's had movement with this. So you start the podcast out. The first thing I need you to know, you don't even hear her voice for a solid six minutes. Oh, interesting. So you're really getting the narrative treat of like how this story is going to start out without an actual narrator telling you the story. So then when she does chime in, you're invested enough that you're not thinking, oh, great, it's Kim Kardashian. However... Again, I told you it's a journey. So you hear her talk about, and and at first I'm thinking, I don't hear the vocal fry. She sounds like a competent adult, right? Because sometimes she gets that like baby voice. Yeah. Sometimes she has that vocal fry. It's not affected in that way. It's like she's reading a script. So she's using her professional voice until they start cutting away. So she does a little narration and then they cut away to her on a Zoom call with Kevin Keith. Okay. And that's when you realize how completely out of touch this woman is. Oh, God. How so? Well, first of all, she explains that she learned about Kevin Keith from this time she was on Family Feud. And one of the producers brought this story up to her. And people are always telling her stories about people. So, like, already you're like, okay, I can't get in on this part of the narrative that you learned about this when you were backstage on Family Feud. (laughs) But then during this Zoom call, she's talking to this man who's in prison. And she says, I can remember the last time we talked. I'm really being mean with that voice, but it's true. Remember the last time we talked? I got to meet some of your friends there and you got to meet my sisters. And like, it's I'm thinking of the juxtaposition of her in her Calabasas taupe mansion and her sisters flitting around, probably, you know, with 12 inches of makeup, yeah. um, worrying about, you know, what they're wearing. And and she's talking to this person who's literally fighting for his life yep. to get out of prison for a crime he says he did not commit. Yep. And how awkward that is, but how not awkward she felt like it was. Well, yeah, because why would she? But also, you have to believe that that individual is thinking... Whatever it takes, lady. Right. Just get, I mean, you know, whatever we got to do to get out. If, if, uh, you know, that's his goal, right? So, like, right. you can imagine where people are kind of like, look, I don't have a choice here. So, it's, it's, you know, a privilege for us to be like, I mean, Kim Kardashian, really? Well, she might just be a person who has access to, you know, the justice system in a way that, you know, that individual has not had. And that is sort of the complicated set of, you know, so she plays things a character. She's not the storyteller. She is actually the storyteller and she's a character but in it. Not a narrator, but she is. She narrates it from the part like so okay. I'll, here's the like overarching yeah. like here's yeah. the story of how this all came to be, according to her. So it starts with how did this how are we even here? Yeah. She tells the story of talking to a producer, director, or producer, somebody on the set of uh, Family Feud tells her about this case that they are intimately familiar yeah, I was with. Trying to figure out the Family Feud connection, right? It's somebody on the set. Okay, that person also then connects her to a reporter who's been doing a ton of work on this case, and her name is Lori Rothschild, I think. Okay. Lori Rothschild and and Saldi, who's also the producer of this. The two of them get together and 
Lori gives Kim the prized possession, which is her notebook of all of the information on this case that she keeps everything together Mm -hmm. because there's stuff in there. Like these are the things that people who do true crime stuff are constantly pouring over to find where the details don't line up. Right. So she hands that over to Kim so Kim can look it over and thus starts the telling of this story. And and then in the first episode, you get the payoff of hearing a telling of the timeline where there are discrepancies. And so it does start off with enough interest that you think I might I might be curious about where this goes. Oh, for sure. Because I'm always interested in a story where well, also it's a fascinating story. And yeah. it's possible that like many podcasts in this genre. You know, the story sort of takes over once it reaches the public, because, again, the power of podcasting and the power of uh, audio media is a certain intimacy that you have with your audience, which then uh, encourages the audience to want to become involved. And that can lead to actual developments in legal cases. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's genius in that regard. Um is this dropping weekly? Like how do like how yep. is the story being told? So you get the first two episodes; they're already out there, and then each episode will drop weekly. And there's eight total episodes, so you know it'll go. We'll get six more weeks of it. Yeah, yeah. So six are, more weeks. Are you going to keep listening? I might. I, I might. I will tell you they're short enough. The first one is about fifty ish minutes. And you can listen on double time if you just can't abide her, and that's fine. And then the second one is only 30 minutes. So they're little, like, they're good bite size, at least so far. Yeah. It feels like it's it's a low-stakes thing to get involved in, but the, the case is, itself is interesting Well, enough. I was going to say, is it fascinating? I mean, does it keep your interest such that you want to keep going? So far. Okay. So far. Because, again... To your point, we've seen how a podcast has the power to get people listening to a story and then actually affecting change. We just saw this with um, the serial podcast and uh, how that has turned out for, um, I cannot remember. Thank you, Adnan Syed. So how that is working in his life and how much time it takes. And it's, but it is an important and noble thing that they are doing by so getting this, this story out there. So to me, this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is great because what it does is it uses the system, you know, it's Kim using her powers for good and not evil, which, you know, I mean, there's so many other like, uh, mm-hmm. eye roll moments with the Kardashian family. This is something she's actually doing for the public good. The problem that I have is that it's so, it's just sad to me, although that's the world and the world is sad for mm-hmm. many reasons. Mm-hmm. Don't even get me started that to get your voice heard, you have to attach yourself to someone like Kim Kardashian. Right. So because for every individual like this, I guarantee there are a hundred who just haven't had the spotlight shed shined on them. Right. Thanks to an, uh, you know, a personal connection with Kim that said for this individual and what's his name again, his name is uh, Kevin. Keith. So for Kevin Keith, this is a, a wonderful opportunity, and I don't want to, you know, minimize mm-hmm. that at the expense of my, you know, eye-rolling Kim Kardashian. So it's great for him and his story, um, but it's it's unfortunate that, you know, this is his way to hear 
right. know, to get some justice. And that's a high bar to clear, to feel like you have to get to Kim well, Kardashian it in order like to get your story that, out. that the story got to her was very uh, circuitous and serendipitous, mm-hmm. which, again, you don't want to have to rely on serendipity for justice. Mm-hmm. So that's unfortunate. But at the same time, I, you know. I will say I wish she weren't so out front in it because it is called Kim Kardashian's The System. I mean, that's your ticket. To, but again, that's because they know. know the power of you clicked on it. You listened to it. And you reported back on our show. It's real. Only because it's Kim Kardashian. We did. Well, there you go. See, life is hard. It's weird. It's complicated. When we come back on the Colleen and Bradley show, uh, what candy do you think is complete trash? 651-641-1071. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today.